Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. Here we want to find our way on the road to optimal health. We want to look at wellness. We don't want to look at just normal lab values, which are based on 95% of a very sick population. We want to know how to thrive and make our health better and how to live well and uh, with a lot of vitality for many years to come. So one way to do this is there's something called biomarkers, which are kind of road road signs as to how well we're doing. And we can look at these road signs and figure out how to improve some of them. And so our guest today, Dr. Russell Jaffe, has a very interesting way of putting these all together. And I find it very exciting. So um, welcome, Dr. Jaffe. Thanks for having me, Susan. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Jaffe. His uh, credentials are incredible. He's got an MD and a PhD from Boston University School of Medicine, which he got in 1972, completed residency training at the National Institutes of Health through 1976, and was on the permanent staff till 1979. He's board certified in clinical pathology and chemical pathology. As a physician and scientist who aspired to be comprehensive, objective, empiric, and experiential, he started his career searching for deeper understanding, wisdom, evidence, and insight into the mechanisms of health. Through intense curiosity and learned skepticism, he sought to debunk the best-known advocates of a variety of health promotion and healing systems. What started as a journey to disprove holistic forms became a rich educational experience that transformed him into a student, then a researcher in such acupuncture, active meditation, homeopathy, manipulative arts. Um, so for the last 30 years, he's recommended a system that treats uh, people, not diagnosis, uh, not the consequences of you know, health issues, not symptoms, but looking at what's going on underneath. His cumulative experience has enabled him to take one step further. He built the Perroque Integrative Health, a company that offers world scientifically proved integrative health solutions that speed the transition from sick care to healthful caring. He's made many contributions to clinical medicine and healthcare policy and made many tests that can give us a lot of information on our health status. So welcome, Dr. Jaffe. Thank you. Uh, you uh, have a system which I find very intriguing, and you look at various biomarkers, which give us an assessment of how we're doing in various um, components, various axes. And can you tell us a little bit about that system and how you came well, upon we started, it? We started by reviewing all available lab tests. That's about 100,000. Then we came down to biomarkers. That was about 5,000. Then we wanted to cover all of lifestyle epigenetics, which is 92% of your lifetime health. And so we invented some years ago and have continued to advocate for and implement in practice predictive biomarkers. Predictive biomarkers are different than other biomarkers in very important ways, the most important of which is we interpret individual results compared to best outcome goal values. We want you to be at your best outcome goal value for measures that regulate blood sugar and insulin. We want you to be at your best outcome repair anti-inflammatory status according to high sensitivity C-reactive protein. We want you to be at your best cardio risk and all cause mortality risk by having a healthy homocysteine. We want your lymphocyte response assay to be tolerant. We want your vitamin D, which is really a neurohormone, it's not really a vitamin, your vitamin D level should be between 50 and 80, and that probably means taking drops under the tongue because too many people, 40 million plus in America, don't really absorb from their intestines very well. 
because of enteropathy, etc. Then we want your eight oxoguanine. That's a very unusual test, but it's a test of damage to your DNA, and we want it to be low, less than five, and we want your omega-3 index to be uh, more than eight, which means you're getting a good balance of the essential omega-3 to omega-6 fats. That's the start of the predictive eight biomarkers that cover all, as in 100% of epigenetics. And these are tests that have been used on every economic, socioeconomic, every geographic, every ethnic population, and they hold across all those rather tight constraints to come up with something personally predictive. And that's what we have done and what we advocate today as the medicine of today, not the medicine of yesterday. Well, I find that very interesting because the medicine of yesterday seems to focus on symptoms rather than what's going on underneath and what we can do about what's going on underneath. So let's discuss these various biomarkers and road signs. One is the hemoglobin A1C. And why don't you tell us what that is? Because I think hemoglobin you said- A1C is the average amount of sugar stuck onto your hemoglobin. Uh, it's the average measure of blood sugar and insulin over the last three months or so, assuming that red cells live a normal lifespan. This test was introduced in 1967 by Dr. Paul Gallup, a dear friend of mine, and it has turned out to be a predictive biomarker a measure of sugar, insulin, energy conversion. And if you have more than 5% sugar stuck onto your hemoglobin, that's bad. And just to gild the lily a little bit, if your red cell are being, say, destroyed too rapidly by immune complexes or some medical condition, you can also measure fructosamine. The average amount of sugar stuck onto fructosamine or stuck onto hemoglobin gives you everything you need to know. And if you measure insulin alone or insulin and glucose together, you'll get confused because they are markers of this moment rather than markers of life or average. I believe you said that you had a chart that if your hemoglobin A1C is less than five, you've got a 99% chance for living for the next 10 years. Um, yes, we have documented that. And, you know, this is an audio, not a video. But yes, we have charts and graphs that prove that if you're at your best outcome goal value, like five for hemoglobin A1C, which I have been at, I recovered. I used to weigh 65 pounds more. I lost the weight and I don't plan to find it again. And uh, my hemoglobin A1C has been 5% for the last 10 years. And if I can keep my hemoglobin A1C at 5%, even if you're 90, you have a less than 1% chance of dying before 100. So this is one of the most powerful predictive tests but if your hemoglobin A1C is 7 or 9 or 11, which it could easily be, you have a dramatic risk of falling to cardiovascular and other pathologies. But even if you have other chronic diseases that are somewhat um, scary, uh, this uh, prediction still holds? It especially applies to people who have chronic illness, autoimmune illness, repair deficit illness, inflammatory illness, stress-related illness. It especially applies to them. Well, my sugars have ranged between 640, and my hemoglobin A1C is 4.9. Uh, and I, I just assume what's going on is autoimmune with the GA65 no, antibodies. No, and, oh, no. You know. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we're getting to talk because almost... No, almost no physicians and almost no laboratorians know the answer to why there is a discrepancy. And I can explain it to you because we discovered it at NIH. Your hemoglobin A1C is excellent. That's the important marker. Now, tell me again what you registered in blood sugar. 
Well, many times it's been 40, but at one point it started going up to 600 post-print right after a meal. And my assessment was as two waves of insulin and the first one that prevents it from going too high went, which means I'm on the path to ladder or diabetes 1.5. That's what it means to me. Well, that's logical. I'm sure someone would agree with you, but that's absolutely wrong. When your blood sugar went up high after a meal, it was because you had consumed some food or preservative or chemical or toxin that you had an immune hypersensitivity reaction to that we would detect by our LRA, by ELISA ACT tests. And then that goes away. That's iatrogenesis in a certain sense. Well, tell us how this fructosamine measurement fits in. Fructosamine is another protein that can be easily measured and quantified in the lab. So Paul Gallup was so brilliant that he realized there was an exception to the value of hemoglobin A1C if the red cells were being damaged and destroyed too early. So he also standardized the procedure on another protein called fructosamine, fructosamine. Easy, inexpensive test. Most any lab can do it. It's another measure of how much sugar is stuck on to that protein. Fructosamine turns over within one month rather than red cells, which typically turn over in three plus months. So fructosamine is actually a quicker measure of insulin glucose status. Uh, even it changes quicker. It changes within one month compared to uh, hemoglobin, which typically changes in three plus months. But there, what you're measuring, I'm, I need to be very clear about this. In both cases, you're measuring the same thing. You're measuring how much sugar is stuck onto the protein. Well, okay, so we've, we can measure this marker. You can get in a blood test and many physicians will order this for you. So if we are above an optimal range of five, I assume what we can do is have a low carbohydrate, concentrated carbohydrate diet. No, 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 no. I, uh, let me jump in if I may. Please. You need to have a healthy diet, a healthy balance of fiber, which is carbs, but complex carbs, and simple sugar? No. Go sugar-free. We have hundreds of recipes on drrusselljaffe.com and on a YouTube channel called Dr. Russell Jaffe that are sugar-free, oil-free, uh, grain-free, gluten-free, but easy to make and yummy and not too expensive if you'll eat in harmony with the seasons. So I want to jump in to point out how elegantly complex and how simply elegant our system is. And of course, we interpret the results individually compared to best outcome goal value, not compared to the laboratory range. Okay, so we looked at one of these biomarkers that you've yeah. investigated. Another one you've investigated is a measure of inflammation, the HSCRP, which physicians can usually uh, order as well. So Most tell us about this physicians order a CRP, which is not helpful. They need to order an HSCRP, Ridker and Refai, and many, many others over a decade or more have proven that you must do the high sensitivity CRP, the HSCRP, not just the CRP, but the HSCRP. Then the healthy value for an HSCRP is less than 0.5, and most people show inflammation and repair deficit, chronic illness, and more, as reflected in the fact that their HSCRP will be above 0.5. So what does so this is a measure of inflammation in the body. What does one do to bring this inflammation down? Because inflammation and oxidative stress are usually a culprit involved in any chronic disease. Well, first of all, we need to get over the mistaken understanding that inflammation is a fire to be fought. Inflammation means repair deficit. We promote repair deficit by getting antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and cofactors in the amounts that individuals need based on these predictive biomarker tests. And then 
the itis, the inflammation, the autoimmunity, the chronic illness, the suffering, the pathology just goes away. Okay. So can you summarize your recommendations to address the HSC? My recommendation, if you have inflammation or autoimmunity or your HSCRP is above 0.5, and I will mention that there are hundreds of measures of inflammation that tend to be very confusing, HSCRP has really stood the test of time in all the ways that I've indicated we rigorously test our system. So you want a HSCRP of less than 0.5, you take enough ascorbate and polyphenolics, you take enough magnesium and choline citrate, you take enough omega-3 fatty acids, uh, you might want to uh, include something that uh, supports your liver or supports your detoxification. You certainly would want a super multi. Our super multi has 40 ingredients in meaningful amounts, and we disclose everything on the label all the time because I think people deserve to know everything that's in every product all the time. The reason that other companies do not disclose all the ingredients is regulatory and legal, but it really reflects the fact that if they would be embarrassed to put on the label what's really there. That is great. Thank you for that. Now, you measure oxidative stress with the 8-oxoguinine. Can you tell us about that test? One aspect of oxidative stress, you can have oxidative stress in your membranes, you can have oxidative stress in your cytoplasm, you can have oxidative stress in your mitochondria, but you can also have oxidative stress in your nucleus. This is the best measure of damage, oxidative stress to the nucleus. And it's a urine test. It's not even a blood test. It's a urine test. And if it's high, what can one do? Ah, the answer is almost always Goldilocks, which is just the right amount of what you need in vitamins, minerals, cofactors, such as B-complex and other vitamins, such as a multi-mineral, but emphasizing magnesium and choline citrate. Omega-3 fatty acids to balance out the omega-6. Stop sugar. Stop ultra-processed food. Stop edible oils. You don't need them. We will give you recipes of how to make yummy things that repair and restore your body and mind, let alone your soul, um, naturally using nature, nurture, and wholeness. I would like to add on that the vegetable oils, uh, seed oils are heavily processed, um, rancid. They can get in your cell walls. Susan, 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 you and I could spend more than an hour just talking about the harm done by edible oils. I have spoken my piece. Okay. Be edible oil free. You don't need to use edible oils. In my kitchen, we cook very well. I, I think we cook very well. I enjoy feeding people as well as eating what I've cooked. And we don't use edible oils for many, many, many reasons. Everywhere you look in the edible oil industry, when you separate the oil from the seed, problems, problems, harm, toxicity emerges. So what oils, what do you use? We cook with broth. We also cook with wine. We cook with a thing called better than bouillon, where you can make a vegetable broth in about a minute or two, just stirring it into warm or hot water. If you're attentive to the food, you don't need oil, and oil adds many calories and much harm. So in my kitchen, and I urge you to come and see how we do this, in my kitchen, I would uh, show you how to be edible oil free. Oh, that sounds great. Okay, homocysteine. This is something many doctors would order. Tell us about that. Well, again, a very important biomarker. Kilmer McCauley started studying it in the late 1960s and really put it on the map, thanks to him. It is an all-cause mortality, morbidity marker. It's more than cardiovascular. But it's an easy test to do badly. For example... I believe that LabCorp will not process a homocysteine if there's more than 20 minutes from the time the specimen is drawn until it is spun. Because homocysteine is notorious to start leaking out of red cells and white cells very soon after the blood is drawn. If homocysteine leaks out, you will have a high homocysteine, but it'll be a laboratory artifact. 
and then you'll be worried about something that you don't need to be worried about. So do an accurate homocysteine, it should be less than six. How do you know if the lab is getting the samples to where they need to go in time versus leaving them out for that 20 minutes? Well, if you're listening to what I'm saying, you say to the laboratorian or the laboratory who's going to draw the blood or the clinic that is ordering it, you say, I understand that the specimen must be spun within 20 minutes of the time it is drawn. And they will say, oh, we heard that. Now, let me explain. When the phlebotomist comes to my home, which he does every six months to check my predictive biomarkers, including homocysteine, he has with him a centrifuge. And he spins the specimen in my presence. So I know it's spun within 20 minutes. Now, that's a little bit over the top, if you forgive me, but that's what I do. Do you have this available to the general listener if they want to... pursue your methods further? Oh, yes. Through betterlabtestsnow.com. That's a website called betterlabtestsnow.com. The test is plural. Betterlabtestsnow.com can get you information, inspiration, and uh, success, uh, anecdotes, stories, research, as much as you would like, even blogs, recipes, oil-free, sugar-free, etc. all yummy, all whole, and not toxic. Today, half the food that children in America eat is ultra-processed and toxic, making them crave more of the harm, not more of apples and berries. Wow, you've got so much to offer. This is quite exciting. Uh, I want to get more into that. Okay, you also have an omega-3 index, the EPA to DHA, et cetera. Can you describe that? Yes, we offer as part of the eight predictive biomarkers an omega-3 index, but it's actually done by Bill Harris, the guy who developed the assay, who's a colleague and a friend, and it should be more than 8%. But I will mention that I take omega-3 fatty acids, mycelized, distilled under nitrogen, all good, no bad. There's no fish antigen left in our omega-3 fish oil. That's a little different than most of the fish oil you get. In fact, most of the fish oil, if you bite into the soft gel, it's, it, it's bitter, it's, it's uh, harsh. Ours is actually quite benign. In, in fact, there are some people who for some reason or a legitimate reason or other reason, don't want to swallow as many uh, pills or soft gels, so they want to take a darning needle and pierce it and get the contents squeezed out of it into yogurt or sweet potatoes or uh, taro or uh, tapioca or something. And that's all fine. Anyway, so my omega-3 index comes back 13, actually a little bit above 13. So I call up Bill Harris and I say, is 13 better than 8? He says, well, 13 is higher than 8. I said, Bill, I don't need you to tell me that. I want to know if I have 13 rather than, say, 8. Is 13, he says, we don't have enough people up at your healthy level. That's the point of my story. If you follow what I do, you will get to where I am by following what I do. This is exciting. Can you tell us, uh, you've mentioned in your presentation some of the things that the EPA-DHA ratio uh, can indicate, like enhanced immune function, improved insulin sensitivity, etc. Can you talk about that? Oh, sure. You have two kinds of essential fats. These are good for you in the sense that you need to take in a certain amount of omega-6 and a certain amount of omega-3, and they need to be in balance, harmony, and self-regulatory homeostasis based on diet and supplementation. Today, because people are eating ultra-processed food, because people are getting high fructose corn syrup for many, many, many reasons, we are finding microplastic in baby food. We are finding toxic metals in baby food. We are finding the same microplastic and toxic metals in many of these processed foods. None of those processed foods come into my home. We have an abundance of fresh, alive fruits, vegetables, berries, nuts, 
seeds, sea vegetables, fungi, etc., which we eat in a wide variety of ways to balance out the fact that you're going to get exposed to some little bit of harm, but if you support your liver, if you support your body, if you take enough antioxidants like nature's ascorbate and uh, the, the right polyphenolics, the more bioavailable, the safer polyphenolics. And by the way, we have chapters and then updated chapters in textbooks about the subject of polyphenolics and the many, many things that we have done through PIH Academy, through a Health Studies Collegium Foundation to put into practice what we preach and to show that it saves lives and a lot of money. I also recall you saying that the EPA DHA ratio, in addition to indicating immune function, it helps insulin sensitivity, improves brain health, reduces triglycerides, and increases the metabolism. So it sounds like well, that's- no, no. If you have healthy, undamaged, non-toxic EPA DHA coming in, that does a lot of good things for you. All of what you said, plus a whole lot more. But if you take fish oil in the average source that has fish antigen in it, that is not distilled under nitrogen, that is not free of toxic metals, that is not free of pesticides, that is not free of biocides, that is not free of harmful chemicals, uh, I don't recommend that kind of fish oil. I do recommend what I'm talking about, which is mycelized, distilled under nitrogen, 100% EPA DHA, no fish antigen left, which says we really removed the harm and kept the good. Now, you need a certain amount of omega-6 as well as a certain amount of omega-3. But according to Artemis Somopoulos and many other researchers and scientists, most Americans get 40 to 60 times more omega-6 than omega-3 from ultra-processed, chipped, crisped, packaged, plastic packaged foods. In my home, everything's natural. I wouldn't say we're 100% plastic-free. It's very hard to be 100%. But we're pretty close to 100% plastic-free, and we're getting better. So we reduce the exposure to the bad. We increase the ability to get rid of the bad inside us by enhancing bio-detoxification. And how do, I mean, there's so many toxins in the world. I mean, it's a toxic soup we're living in, and it's getting worse. How do What do you recommend for detoxing? Well, just to be clear, there are five categories of toxins. All toxins are uh, exist within these five categories. There's not more than there's not less than five. There's not more than five. There's five. So you start with pops, persistent organic pollutants. These are the hormone disruptive forever molecules that should be avoided to the extent possible. You can avoid 80 percent. I'm going to say that several times in the next minute or two. You can avoid 80% of the toxins by following my recommendations, and the remaining 20% I can show you how to detoxify biologically, safely, and using lifestyle, which is what you eat and drink, think and do, as well as supplementation. So that's the start. After POPs, you have VOCs, volatile organic compounds known as solvents. These are in the oil Sorry, these are in the air and water and therefore in the food of too many uh, sources. So I recommend eating low on the food chain. Most all of what we eat are vegetables, fruit, berries, fungi, nuts, seeds, sea vegetables, and um, occasionally uh, an exotic thing like a mangosteen which is actually a fruit. If you follow that approach, you can reduce 80% of what causes cancer and other cardiovascular risks, autoimmune risks, chronic illness risks. You can avoid 80% of those disease-causing pro-oxidative anti-nutrient. They use up good. They present harm. 80% you can avoid. 20% you can deal with if you follow our biological detoxification system. Okay. Uh, Tell us about the HSLRA test for immune tolerance. Right. So this is the test for immune tolerance. Are your T cells or your B cells or your immune complexes causing you to suffer? You should be tolerant to the world around you. 
The only way to know what foods, preservatives, chemicals, toxins, mold products, uh, danders, hair, feathers, we can test for over 500 items and then tell you not only what to avoid, but how to avoid. For example, if your ice cream contains carrageenan, you should switch to an ice cream that doesn't have carrageenan, and we tell you which ones do and don't. So not only do we provide information about the immune system, the immune defense and repair system, but we provide information about what to do with your lifestyle in order to reverse the harm, the burden, the attack that's occurring today in your immune system with anything, food or chemical, preservative, medication, toxin or something, if you have an immune reaction, we can show you how to dramatically reduce your exposure and more importantly, how to repair from the, from the damage done up until now. So the goal of LRA is tolerance, which means no reactions. And I will just mention, because uh, I'm thinking of her right now for, for various reasons. A friend of a friend was wheelchair bound with multiple sclerosis. She went on our program and did it every six months for two years. At the end of that time, she sent me a photograph of herself rock climbing. Not only did she get out of the wheelchair, she completely recovered. And some of the things she reacted to, you know, like tobacco and uh, certain of the sugars, she really liked eating them until we told her that they were killing her. And then she followed through. It's up to the person to follow through on the information, inspiration, and insights we can provide. So this test will tell you what foods are harming you, but uh, once you, so obviously taking these out of your diet is the first step, but what is involved in do, doing the repair for the damage done, or is it just incorporated well, in your explain. general health? Let field? me explain. Let me explain. If you have itis, if you have autoimmunity, if you have inflammation, if you have chronic illness, if you suffer from anything that doesn't feel good, it means that your body is not repairing itself. Let me say that again. Inflammation is repair deficit. If you look as a pathologist, and I'm a doubly board certified pathologist, if you look as a pathologist, you see inflammation as a fire to be fought, something to be suppressed. If you look from the standpoint of physiology, biology, life, Inflammation is an opportunity to stimulate repair using antioxidants like ascorbate, but nature's ascorbate, nature's form of ascorbate, not any other form of ascorbate than nature's ascorbate, which means ascorbate, vitamin C, that was produced under a nitrogen blanket to protect it, not what is generally available, which is vitamin C ascorbate produced under air, where the oxygen in the air damages the product before you get it. And this makes a dramatic difference in benefits, results, and how quickly you feel and function better. That's just one example. Then how much magnesium do you need? Well, I don't know, but you can find out yourself by checking your pH after rest uh, in the morning. And if it's between six and a half and seven and a half, that's good. If it's lower than six and a half, you increase from two to three to four to five doses of magnesium and choline citrate to get the magnesium in to correct the many hundreds of problems that occur when magnesium is low, as defined by Ronaline 15 years ago, chronic latent magnesium deficiency. We can get into the measurement and what it means if you want. But CLMD, chronic latent magnesium deficiency, is very common. For example, in the successful hypertension phase one, two trial that we did just recently, everyone who qualified for the trial was in the lower half of the serum magnesium range when we started and their improvement, their lowering of blood pressure correlated rather closely with how well they moved into the upper half of the magnesium serum range. So there's a simple test reinterpreted in light of Ronaline and CLMD that gives us very useful information about the answer to calcium. Because while many people have a relative excess of calcium, and I believe there's over a billion dollars a year of calcium channel blockers sold in the United States alone, it's an, a relative excess of calcium, but it's an absolute deficiency of magnesium. 
and we now know how to enhance the magnesium uptake. We triple the magnesium uptake, and we correct the choline deficiency, and we alkalinize and energize the mitochondrial battery of the cell with the citrate. So it's a trifecta. This is interesting because you touched upon the testing for the pH because one of the things that is a biomarker is your first morning urine pH, doing a dipstick in your urine. And I've I've never heard any good recommendations on how to change that if it's overly acidic. I mean, people... Let me jump in. in. That must be done fresh in the morning the way you said. You can either use a strip or a dipstick. You can pee in a clean cup or pee directly on the strip. If it's green, that's 6.5 to 7.5, that's fine. You need two doses of magnesium to keep up with daily needs. If it's less than 6.5, for every half pH unit, you're below 6.5, you need an additional third, fourth, fifth dose of magnesium choline citrate to correct the long-term chronic magnesium deficiency. That means magnesium deficit in the cells. That means metabolic acidosis. You can read Julian Seifter's chapters in Harrison's textbook of medicine on how devastating and overlooked metabolic acidosis is. You can read his articles in New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, He's Sam Seifter's son. I like him a lot. Uh, Sam trained Carl, who trained me. It's a very small world when you get into the, the top levels of biochemistry and metabolism. I mean, I've never really heard such a good explanation of how to help with this. I mean, I have heard like apple cider vinegar. No, no. People who don't know shouldn't speak. Now, well-intended people will often say things that are kind of, sort of true. Apple cider vinegar is a preferred vinegar in my home. I also have organic rice vinegar, but rice vinegar made from wild rice because we don't have any grains in our home, including rice. So you get into the details if you want, then you get the help and the benefit, the synergistic benefit of living consistently with nature, nurture, and wholeness, but using modern metabolism, biochemistry, uh, and and an advanced understanding of self-regulation and homeostasis uh, at the base of what we do, and what follows out is good health for life. That's interesting because, uh, you know, people also recommend baking soda, but it sounds like... Oh, no, no, let me jump in on that. Whether you're talking about baking soda, which is sodium bicarbonate, which is alkaline, and we use baking soda in our salt and soda bath, but if you try to fool Mother Nature, it won't work. There is a system in biology called the carbonic anhydrase enzyme system. So if you take in bicarbonate, you will not alkalinize yourself. And if you take in sodium bicarbonate, you will take in too much sodium and too little potassium. And then if you take in trisalt, which are better, this is an improvement on uh, baking soda, trisalts contain several different minerals along with the baking soda, but they still have baking soda. What I said is what I meant. If you try to fool Mother Nature, you're fooling yourself. Nature does not regulate acid-alkaline metabolism using bicarbonate. There is a reason why the chemistry department is on the main campus of a university and the biochemistry department is in the medical school. There's a good reason for that. Those who understand chemistry are the ones who recommend baking soda. It's harmful. Don't do it. That is so interesting. Um, you tell us about vitamin D. Well, vitamin D is a neurohormone. It's called a vitamin, but it's really a neurohormone. It regulates cell growth. How do your cells know whether there's enough, too little, or too many? Vitamin D. In essence, vitamin D has two arms. One arm goes to cell number one. The other arm looks for cell number two. If the distance in geometry is favorable, that is the other arm of the vitamin D reaches another cell, it sends a signal to all the cells, stop proliferating, we have enough. Or grow more, we need more cells. Or we have too many cells, stop. That's what vitamin D does. It does a lot of other things, but at its 
essence in 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 regard to um, a few words to encapsulate a very complicated subject. Now, I have learned a lot from many vitamin D experts, including Heaney and my colleague, Dr. Sunshine and others. And I've given you right now my synthesis on vitamin D. And it should be 50 to 80, whereas the average American is less than 20. And that increases your risk of cancer, heart disease, autoimmunity, and toxicity, as well as your risk of bacterial pathogenesis, uh, your risk of parasites, your risk of prion disease, your risk of neurodegeneration, which is really diabetes of the brain, uh, and uh, you shouldn't do that. Interesting. Tell us about transit time, what it means, and how to measure it. Well, transit time uh, means digestive transit time. In essence, what you eat at night should come out in the morning. And when I have roast beets in the morning, I see red in the commode. But my first thought is never that I had beets last night. So we don't measure using beets or corn. We don't measure using charcoal. Um, all the charcoal for human consumption is dioxin-free. All the charcoal is made by one company. So however and wherever you get it, it'll all be the same. Then you take, now we have a one-page write-up on how to do a digestive transit time test properly. This is available from drrusselljaffe.com. This is available on betterlabtestsnow.com. This is available uh, at elizaact.com or at healthstudiescollegium.org because we have multiple different ways of trying to get the message out. <coughs> Sorry. So... You measure the time from swallowing the charcoal capsules, and you then mark that time. And then when the black crumbly stuff comes out of your tush, you mark the time. And the difference in hours is your digestive transit time. And it should be 12 to 18 hours, not less than 12, but it should not be more than 18. And too many people in America might poop on Monday what they ate last Monday. Having a one-week transit time is distressingly common and makes you worse for wear. Tell us why too short a transit time is an issue and why too long a transit time is an well, issue. Well, if you have short bowel syndrome because of surgery or other things, you won't be digesting your food. If it's less than 12 hours, you have to investigate whether there is enough time in the intestine to digest the food and absorb the nutrients. So that's the short bowel. That's Pretty rare unless people have had procedures. Long transit time. Well, it's the 21st century. Eating processed foods. Eating non-organic food. Eating standard commercial food that you get in the market. When I go into the market, I shop around the edge of the market, which is where I might find food. Then I try to find food that is not contained within plastic that I can touch and pick. Why do I do that? Why do I belong to a biodynamic CSA, Community Supported Agriculture? Once a week, we go and get delicious, healthy food that, that they put together. Why do we invest in ourselves? Why do I invest in having a healthy digestive transit time? There are many hundreds. We could spend the next hour talking about the many benefits. And if you have a longer than 18-hour transit time, which is usual and customary in America and in Europe, you will have more suffering, more ill health, more autoimmunity, more chronic inflammation, more cardiovascular disease and cancer. These are all diseases of our modern times. And if you want to, you could read our book called How to Thrive in the 21st Century, which is how to thrive in the 21st century. Because we can thrive. We deserve to thrive. We deserve to feel and function better, get restorative sleep, have good moods, be productive, and have energy and vitality. If you follow what I'm suggesting, you will have all of that. Um, and if your transit time is too long, what can one do to try to improve that? You can stop ultra-processed food. You can stop sugar. You can stop edible oils. You can eat whole foods, whole fruits, vegetables, berries, uh, fungi, uh, seeds, nuts, um, uh, sea vegetables, 
uh, other whole foods, whole, not processed, whole foods in a wide variety of ways. A wide variety of foods in a wide variety of ways is the healthiest way to eat the rainbow. Don't eat grains. Don't eat cow dairy. Don't eat meat. Don't eat fish very much because they are contaminated. If, for example, you want to measure your mercury in your urine, according to David Quigg, uh, a, a guy who knows a lot about these toxic minerals, according to David, if you have fish within a week, you will have an elevated mercury, which is a poison, in your urine. My conclusion from that is to follow our biological detoxification system using ascorbate and polyphenolics, using magnesium and choline citrate, using GGOBE, which is garlic, ginger, onions, brassica sprouts, and eggs. And by eggs, I mean goose, duck, and quail eggs because chicken eggs, along with chicken, along with grains and cow dairy, are now so contaminated that even the organic is contaminated. So to thrive in the 21st century, you need to be a smart consumer working with a smart health professional, health coach, so that you can get today's information, not yesterday's information. Because most of what doctors use as their database is 20, 40, 60, or 100 years old and no longer applies. Now, you said, like, to tell if uh, how healthy a uh, fish meal is, you look to see if the eyes are clear. If you're going to buy fish, when I go to the fish market on the wet ice, there are many, many fish that have been frozen and thawed. Their eyes are opaque. Their eyes are not clear. So I say to the person behind the counter, what is the line caught fish that has never been frozen, that has eyes that are clear? And very often they say none. But very often they say one. And then we get that one. You comment made a comment that we should be peeing every two hours. Well, I could have you measure things and be really complicated and, and biologically precise. But the answer is you should be drinking enough broth and mineral water and soup and wet foods that you need to pee every two hours, indicating that your urine is not too concentrated, indicating that you can detoxify the toxins of high-tech living today. And, you, you know, it, you made some comments like Americans or, West, or westernized countries are taking in too much calcium. Um, yes. Uh, if you look at the last 50 years of research from everyone that matters, uh, I would say with great conviction that we take in too much sodium and too much calcium, too little magnesium and too little potassium. And then it gets worse from there with regard to zinc, copper, magnesium, uh, sorry, manganese and molybdenum, iodine, etc. What is nature's pharmacy? Nature's Pharmacy is, says use physiology before pharmacology. Use natural solutions that exist if you look for them before you reach for a pill, a potion, or a procedure. Okay. Um, what's very interesting is you seem to have very safe um, formulas for your vitamin C and EPA and DHA. So it sounds like you've taken a lot of care in getting the optimal supplements. Can you tell us more about your program and how people can be involved with it? Well, since 1987, we have been pioneering safer, more effective supplements. For example, we invented the Tabsule. It's not a tablet. It's not a capsule. It's a Tabsule, which has all active ingredients, half of what's in most multivitamins, half of what's in most supplements is a binder, a filler, a flowing agent, an excipient, a colorant or something. Everything in every one of our formulas is active and helpful. For example, our Super Multi has 40 ingredients, not 20, and it has them in meaningful amounts because we improve the bioavailability and we're able to put much more in, like twice as much in, because we don't have any excipients, etc. Then we pioneered and have patented globally the enhanced uptake of magnesium by choline citrate. Then we pioneered and have made available mycelized soft gels, including EPA, DHA, omega-3, and many other mycelized soft gels, including CoQ10, in 100% rice bran oil. We pay attention to every 
detail because we care, we can, and because my father used to take, when he was still alive, everything we made. I take these supplements daily because they help me feel and function better. And as far as I can tell, so do the people that I love, which is many. <laughs> That's great. We can feel your love. Now, if we want to, uh, is there a way to go on your website and find some, a, a phlebotomist or somebody that will take all the tests and get it to you so we can learn from your program and then take the next steps? Well, if you want to be your own doctor some of the time, you go to betterlabtestnow.com. That's betterlabtestnow.com, and you'll find information about whatever we're talking about because that's our consumer portal that gives you information, inspiration, access to interpretations, and access to lab tests, including phlebotomists all over the country that will come to you or you go to the phlebotomy center or they'll go to the clinic. But all of these logistics get complicated until you get personal and up close to us because our consumer um, folks, the folks that answer the phone for us, because we really have live people answering the phone. We don't have an auto attendant very much. So we do it through consumers. We also urge professionals to contact Dr. Russell Jaffe.com and a YouTube channel for consumers and for professionals, Dr. Russell Jaffe. You will find hundreds of videos on different topics, many of them very topical. You will find many blogs on the Dr. Russell Jaffe and recipes and other um, information, inspiration, and how to get to what we recommend to save your life. Does the consumer have to go through a doctor to use your program or they somehow are they connect with some of your staff? Oh, let me be clear. If you go through the portal online called betterlabtestnow.com, you don't need a doctor. You don't need a prescription. You don't need a referral. We have a portal for consumers who want to get access to tests and interpretations. Then we also have a tech... We also have many lab sites for professionals who want to know how to practice better this kind of progressive medicine. And that would start with Dr. Russell Jaffe. That's D-R-R-U-S-S-E-L-L-J-A-F-F-E. D-R-Russell-Jaffe.com. Or on YouTube, D-R-Russell-Jaffe. If you just put in Russell Jaffe, you'll get a poet who's very nice, but not me. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for this because this is very exciting. I find the way you put this together makes a lot of sense. It's far, it's even beyond what we've studied in functional medicine. It just seems to, uh, it, it's really exciting. And it's also exciting that the consumer can start this on his own way or, or the, and then the doctors can participate if they wish. So audience, uh, I advise you to look into this uh, so you can work on your wellness, share it with your friends, share it with your physician, and above all, be well. We got the power to change the world. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. Better.